0: Temporary was produced on the lands of the Bidjigal, Gadigal, Nungar, Waurudjuri and Karuna peoples whose sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and those who are yet to emerge. The difference between permanent and temporary protection is that temporary visas expire. Which means those in the legacy caseload are forced to reapply for protection all over again every few years, or they risk being sent back to the country they fled. Unable to build a proper life for themselves, they are stuck in an endless loop of uncertainty. For UNSW and Guardian Australia, I am Sison Kim Simang, and this is Temporary.
1: <laughs> okay,
2: so
3: um could you tell us a little bit about your family and what you did for
0: work? This is Yehia. Yeah is from Iraq he was born there. He raised a family there. He started a successful jewelry business there. Yehia only speaks Arabic, so as we sit with him in the living room of his family home in the outer suburbs of Sydney, it's his eldest son who's translating for us.:
4: I worked in jewelry shop and I've been like jewelry maker designer at that time, and I start my work my age twenty 22 I married, and I got children.
0: Yehe and his family are mandaean. a pacifist religion that predates Christianity and Islam. Despite doing everything he could to live a peaceful and devout life in Iraq, his life was continually interrupted by violence.
4: We got very hard life at that time in my country because we are in different religion. So all the people around us was affecting us because of that difference. Even in the school, even my children, even my, my work, in, in the work. So it was very hard life and the people like do races to us because we're different, believe.
0: He doesn't like to talk about it. It still weighs on his heart too much. When he was just eight years old, he lost his father. And after growing up and having his own family, because of their religion, he lost a son of his own.
4: My family, like, I lost one of my sons. And that, that, that time, like, affected my family, like, it was a horrible time for us. It was it's hurting me that time, It's hurting me a lot, and my tears, it wasn't stopping. I was thinking about my family, my, my,
3: my sons.
0: Yehia knew that if he wanted to keep his family safe, he needed to get out of Iraq. With his family, he fled Iraq and traveled to Syria, hoping to build a new life. The family set up a home and a little shop, but then a war broke out. They live in fear for months, and when an explosion in their neighborhood blows up bedrooms in their apartment, Yehia and his family are left with no choice but to flee again.
4: And we bought obligation to come to, like, for UN, to go out of Syria.
0: So they applied for asylum through the UNHCR. They did it the so-called right way.
1: The Australian government says that the so-called right way to come here is through resettlement by UNHCR. That's the UN Refugee Agency. This is Jane McAdam, director of the Caldor
0: Centre for International Refugee Law.
1: Now, fewer than 1% of the world's refugees will ever have the chance of resettlement, and that's partly because not many countries agree to take refugees in this way.
2: The number of refugees resettled by Australia is dwarfed by the 2.7 million sheltered by Turkey, or the
1: 1.5 million in Pakistan. The irony is that the government's view of the wrong way to come, simply by showing up, is what the whole refugee convention is premised on. The idea that somebody in need of protection seeks it in your territory and you grant it if you find that that person is a refugee.
4: And we got refused. The Our application has been refused.
0: Yehia and his family were rejected by the UNHCR. And at the same time, the situation in Syria was becoming incredibly dangerous.
3: <laughs>
0: so Yehia didn't have a choice. He came the only way he could.
4: I decided to come to Australia by, by boats because we didn't have
3: choice. I
4: don't advise anyone to come by boats. It was very dangerous to take that decision. Maybe I' gonna die in, in the ocean. So I said, I have two choices even I die or even I get a new life.
3: It was a
4: terrified moment. It was like dying
3: moments.
4: I wasn't see anything there. Just even there's no pairs in the sky. So there's nothing. Just water and sky. That's all.
0: Having been at sea for days, something else emerged from the vast emptiness of the ocean. An Australian naval ship, so much larger than the vessel on which Yehe had attempted to make this crossing, appeared from over the horizon. His boat had been picked up at
3: sea.
4: There was a tears of the, the, the hobby, happiness and the hope start again with us to get a new life.
0: Yehia was overjoyed. He made it.
3: Uh,
0: He was safe. And finally, he was on dry land. He and the rest of the asylum seekers on the boat were taken to Darwin.
3: When
0: he arrived in Darwin, he was actually welcomed at the border.
3: The, when we
4: arrived there, there was a line for Australian people who living in Darwin, and they was very, very happy at that time. They all carrying something to give us, some people carrying food, water, clothes. They was very happy to, for, for us to arrive there. 12, and I arrived 2011.
0: Because Yehia arrived before Australia's asylum policy took another hardline turn, before Operation Sovereign Borders, it was still technically possible for him to be granted permanent protection. The
3: case manager,
0: But the wheels of the system are slow.
4: My case manager at that time, he wasn't serious of my
3: file. I he ignored our cases until
4: the decision, government decision, to don't accept people who arrive into Australia by boats.
0: Yehia didn't break any laws. He didn't jump any queue. But because his case was not processed until after 2012, new rules are applied to him retrospectively. He can never be given permanent protection in Australia.
3: Men al.
4: The people who arrived with me in the same post, most of them, they, they got the Australian citizenship. I'm still waiting.
1: Unfortunately for him and others in his situation, his application was not decided by the Department of Home Affairs before the law changed. This is Alison Ryan, a senior solicitor at RACS, the Refugee Advice and Casework Service. That meant that Although other people that came on his boat would have been um, permanent residents and now probably citizens, um, his case was automatically transferred to being an application for a temporary protection visa. So when he was found to be a refugee and that if he went home, he'd face serious harm, he was only given a visa for three years to stay in Australia. So Ben, how is this possible? It
0: just seems really unfair.
5: We hear this all the time, the sort of unfairness and the capriciousness of the, of the system. We hear from people on Manus Island saying, everybody I arrived on a boat with is now living in Australia and on their way to permanent residency, even citizenship. Why is the system different for me?
0: This is Ben Doherty. He reported on immigration for Guardian
5: Australia. It's a huge frustration for people who are caught up in this because the rules seem to change all the time and the laws change retrospectively and the sort of ground underneath their feet continues to shift. If you have a system that treats people differently for no reason, you don't really have a system at all.
0: So back in Syria, after being rejected and spending years in a refugee camp, Yehia's wife and children reapplied and were granted refugee status by the UNHCR. And
4: my family, they got accept from UN.
0: Which meant they were soon going to be on a plane bound for Australia to be resettled.
4: Their application has been accepted to come to Australia. They arrived in 13.
3: واتامل متى تجعل حتى اروح استقبلهم بهذا الطريق.
4: It was like a dream. يروح على المطار. اصلا
3: فد ربع ساعه 10 دقائق. It was
4: very nice and I was very happy at that time even before they arrive when I was driving uh, close to the airports I was thinking which day they going to arrive to this airport and I will go into our you know to meet my family.
0: From the moment Yehe's family stepped foot in Australia, they were on their way to becoming permanent residents.
4: I thank Australia to bring my family to here to Australia. We got good life now.
2: Our life is like settled, you know what I mean?
0: This is Adnan.
2: I am the oldest son of Yehe.
0: Adnan recently took an Australian citizenship test. And all these years later, as he confidently sits next to his father, you can see what permanence provides
3: my
4: my my sons they got married one of my sons he been engineer, and we we
2: have now. out
0: and you can see the burden of being temporary hover over yehe
2: but for my dad all the times he felt he's not settled yet every every minute when he hear from his friends from uh, TV or radio or anything, they said, oh, the temporary visa they're going to kick out of Australia. He's us shaking. Where are they going to kick me out? All my family is here.
0: So even though Australia provides permanent protection to Yehia's family, and he fled those same circumstances that they did in Iraq, Yehia is not afforded the same status as the rest of his family.
5: That is correct. And it is solely because Yehia arrived by boat.
1: Although Yahya's family has been recognised as refugees by UNHCR, that does not mean that he can go on to their visa. Unfortunately, um, because of the law that applies to his case, he can only apply for a temporary protection visa and he can, that can never lead to citizenship. So he can't have that same permanent visa that they have.
5: It is worth noting as well that it is illegal to treat people differently based on the way they arrived in your country. There's no one right way to come to Australia, and there's no wrong way to seek asylum. The Refugee Convention says you cannot be punished for the way you arrived, but Australia does that all the time.
1: Like Yahya and many other families that I work with, they will have had the same experience of persecution. They'll all be living together today in the community in Australia, but the certainty around their ability to stay in Australia, their access to services that they get in Australia and their ability to integrate really into Australia is is really um, arbitrarily determined by what date and how they came to Australia.
5: People turning up by boat unannounced in this country is hardly novel. But what's happened is the way we respond to it has changed we're much more hostile we're much more aggressive and we see that writ large in this family this family is being torn apart by this arbitrary division that's been created this is an example of the the dichotomy and the false dichotomy that's emerged politically and rhetorically in Australia around the good refugee and the bad refugee, and the good refugee is the one who waits patiently in a camp to be resettled in Australia. The bad refugee is the one who arrives on a boat claiming protection. The idea that that there's some queue that people are supposed to join is just ridiculous, but it's this myth that's perpetuated in the Australian political debate, and we see it written out in this family.
0: It has been almost 10 years since Yehia arrived in Australia, which means he was actually one of the very first refugees in the legacy caseload to be put on a temporary protection visa. And of course, the very nature of these visas, the thing that makes them temporary, is that they
3: expire. After it's finished, I
4: got a request to renew the visa.
0: Now that his visa has expired, it's almost like the slate has been wiped clean and he has to start again from the very beginning. So once again, he has to prove to the Australian government that he needs protection.
4: And I wasn't have a lawyer because I don't have money to give. Then I went to Iraq and they helped me with that and um, I thanked them a lot.
1: So while Yahya's family are looking forward to applying for citizenship and getting on with their lives in Australia, it really hangs over Yahya that he, every three years, he has to reprove that he is a refugee. Alison
0: Ryan from RAX, who you heard from earlier, has been helping Yahya through his reapplication
1: process.
4: And she was very good. She did a lot of help, a lot of help to me, and I thank her.
1: The process for Yahya and so many others on temporary protection visas is ongoing. They will never have that security of knowing that they are now settled in a new country where they're safe.
5: So now we're in uncharted territory. No one knows how it's going to work for this legacy caseload, but we have thousands of people on temporary protection visas like Yeah, whose visas have expired. And what we do know is that they will have to prove once again that they need Australia's protection.
1: Yahya hasn't got his new temporary protection visa um, decided yet, and that's basically because there's still thousands of people who came to Australia in 2012, 2013, whose first application for a protection visa has not been decided. The fact that we're still processing people who arrived in 2012 and 2013, and we're gonna do this endlessly, just seems unsustainable, and it just seems like a waste. It feels like no one is winning.
5: Last time Australia had temporary protection, we never really got to this stage because everyone was ultimately granted permanent protection. At this stage, for people in Yohei's position, it seems a succession of temporary protection visa after temporary protection visa, applying again and again and proving over and over and over again that you need to be safe.
1: Legally, this could be very easily resolved, that people that have been found to be refugees, have been in the community for a number of years, like Yahya, have been abiding by Australian law. They should be given permanent status. We've done it before in the law, and we could do it easily again. So now Yahya can only do what he
0: has been doing since he arrived in this country eight years ago, what everyone in the legacy caseload has been doing. Wait
3: it's
4: still in the process so I don't know what's going on so I'm still waiting my age is 65 now and I'm waiting when I'm going to get the payment visa as as my family
0: in the community Yehia is from old age is a time of peace it's a time of rest And yet for him, the future is still very much unknown.
2: For my dad, all the time I found him, he spent all the day at home doing nothing. So like his life on the edge. So he's not like uh, enjoy happy life.
0: Even though his family is here and there's a small Mandean community who often get together, Yahya is never able to relax. He's never able to fully be himself. He hasn't been able to find peace.
2: Sometimes we force him to go to the wedding or a small party or mm-hmm. something like that. He stayed there for a couple hours and then sons like I I got tired. Send me back home.
0: The last few years, the toll it's taken on his emotions, it's also taken on his heart.
2: It's like all the times he he's stressed and thinking what's gonna happen tomorrow, what's gonna happen tomorrow, he's not strong enough to get this feeling, you know what I mean? He already did the surgery for, he has three blocks in his heart, and he, he did the surgery, they open two, and he still keep, he have one block in his heart. I I believe he has his effect on his uh, health. a very
3: beautiful feeling, you feel the 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 how like who extra jelly a cool macroba was the car
2: general the Mendayan they it's like they they don't want anything just to live in peace and doing them practice they don't want anything
3: else
2: we want just
3: to to leave. we <laughs>
0: Temporary is hosted by me, Sisonk Kim Simang, and produced by Kara Jensen-McKinnon and Miles Herbert, with editorial support from Lauren Martin and Miles Martiglioni. Original music composed by Lama Zaharia, mixed and mastered by Ryan Pemberton, with series artwork by Matt Wynn. Temporary is a project from the UNSW Center for Ideas and Caldor Centre for International Refugee Law, co-produced with Guardian Australia and inspired by the book Refugee Rights and Policy Wrongs by Jane McAdam and Fiona Chong. The podcast is accompanied by a digital storytelling project which further explores the lives of the people interviewed in this series and is linked in the show notes. If this story has raised any issues for you, please know that help is available. Contact Lifeline on 131114.